0: hey what's up guys my name is Adam and I am your host of the do big things podcast where we want you to do big things I am the co-founder of a company called big things crewing you can check us out online at big-things-crewing.com and we offer coaching plans training plans crewing and pacing for your ultra marathon we offer all kinds of stuff so you can check us out any support you guys can give us would be much appreciated got a great guest for you guys today he is a singer songwriter uh, vagabond musician punk rocker at heart he's a comedian he's a writer is the author of seven best-selling Kindle singles. He is also the author of a memoir called I Swear I'll Make It Up to You, and his latest book is an Audible original called Cold Turkey. It's sort of a self-help book on how you can quit drinking without the use of AA or rehab. Um, it's sort of the story of, of how he did it. And his book is free on Audible until June 4th. So what have you got to lose? Check it out. Download it. Support him. His name is Mishka Shubali. his latest book is Cold Turkey. Like I said, free till June 4th. So give it a download. Give it a listen. If you'd like to support this podcast, give us a review or share with your friends. Anything is appreciated. With that, I present to you guys Mishka Shubali.
1: Hello, Mishka. Yo, what's up? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I um, well, this is actually this is a perfect day to do a podcast because I'm having a like annoying uh, kind of shitty day, and ah. I think it'll be good because. Um, I feel like sobriety folks are always like, yeah, just woke up and th- today's another, you know, great opportunity to do something amazing. And it's like, no, it. we have shitty days, too.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Well, so what's going on with your day, man?
1: No, nah, nothing, you know, I mean, there is the backdrop of, uh, you know, the global pandemic and, you know, this um, just cloud of anxiety. Um and then just stupid stuff like my, um, you know, my cat decided last night she wanted to cuddle me in every sort of every different way possible. And I finally I was like, God damn, like, <laughs> <laughs> just leave me alone so I could sleep. And so I woke up late and, you know, I got out and got a run in and did my push-ups and was feeling good about that. And then just fighting with this dentist in Brooklyn who's trying to fuck me over and take my money and. Just little shit like that, you know, and and those, I think those are the kind of things that a lot of times like derail people. Um, because it's no, there's nothing, um, it's just the hassle of everyday life, you know, but that's, um, that's enough to leave me
0: like running for the bottle, you know, (laughs) or a walk. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I know that, uh, another lifetime ago, you were a fan of, of, uh, the great Charles Bukowski. And I think he said it best that, you know, when you bend down to tie your shoe and, and the shoelace breaks, that's that's usually what sets you off.
1: Yeah, man, it's really like and, you know, and the more you drink, the more you find, uh, you know, sort of release and relief and happiness and or at least a break from unhappiness in alcohol, the more it, I, I, I I would keep running out you know and the worst thing that you can do as an alcoholic is to run out of alcohol you know yes. then your your purpose in life has been denied you um mm-hmm. so i would ha- i would have a secret bottle or a stash or something like that you know just in case of emergency but what happened is i was like oh man tuesday night emergency you know <laughs> <laughs> like i stub my toe emergency right. you know yeah, it, it, and it just you know and then getting sober it, it really forces you to recalibrate what is and what isn't an emergency you know and i'm closing in on 11 years so far i have not encountered an emergency that required me going to drink
0: wow 11 years that's a long time congratulations
1: thanks thanks i uh it just feels just feels boring at this point <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, for three that, years I
1: was like, Yeah,
0: another year and now I'm like, Oh God, another year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean after eleven years of sobriety, do you get tired of uh you know the sobriety community reaching out to you and do you get tired of talking about it? I mean, I imagine that you know, you're not reaching for the bottle or having these massive temptations anymore. Yeah, you know, it's funny when I was talking to Audible about how to
1: promote the new um the new audiobook um you know they sort of sent me some uh, you know some sort of like you know these are sample tweets that you can use you know um about how how to promote the book and stuff and it was just you know like um you know I I changed my life and you can too or you know I wanted to share this you know thing with you and and, and it was just sort of like earnest well-meaning corporate speak and I was like no All of my, all of my people will be like, dude, you're full of shit. And all I have to offer people my, is my honesty. And I, so I signed up to write this book for two reasons. I signed up to write it because, because I was sick of people (laughs) contacting me and having to sort of write out the same FAQ again and again of how, how did you do it? And um, you know, that kind of thing. And I needed the fucking money. You know, and those are fine reasons for doing things, you know, is, is to get to get people off your back and to pay your rent. Those are that's, you know, that's fine motivation for doing stuff. Once I had agreed to it and once I got into it, I was like, oh, holy shit, I have a ton of stuff to say on this subject and it's incredibly important to me to the point that audible was like, okay, this is great. We're done. And I was like, nah, I got, I had a couple more things come to me last night. Hang on. I, I got to get these, you know, I got to get this in here. Like these people need to hear this, you know? So um you can, you know, you can go into something with, um, you know, sort of mundane or, you know, for mundane or earthly reasons. And then, you know, halfway through it, it does change, you know,
0: for sure. Well, I re- or listened to rather uh, cold turkey and I thought it was fantastic. And I-, I wish that that would have been around when I quit drinking myself uh, four years ago. Um, you know, I quit drinking kind of on my own, sort of similar to your path. Um, I am in the program now, but I went for, you know, quite a long time without, uh, you know, any sort of a program, just kind of almost white knuckling it. And your book would have been pretty handy just a few years back, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I, didn't run of, no, no. I didn't run out of money soon enough. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> is the book, uh, the audio book still available for free on Audible? Yes,
1: it is available for free on Audible, I think until June 4th. Um, awesome. That was one of the things that, you know, I, I'm, uh, Yeah, everybody loves to hate on Amazon and um, Audible, you know, as part of Amazon for good reason, you know, Amazon is bigger than any company should be. Um, however, every single person I've ever dealt with there has been fantastic and they, they love, um, they love books. They love storytelling. They love narrative and human connection and, you know, all that stuff that is so important to us. And, you know, one of the things that I said when I was talking to them about, you know, my, um misgivings about becoming a sort of like sobriety self-help personality is i was like man you know this feels like profiteering you know i mean because there's uh on instagram there's just all these sort of like inspirational self-help recovery like sign up for my you know continuing seminar and we will bill your credit card each month and you get the tote bag and i'm like man fuck that because like, I I want your money. I want everybody's money. I want people to buy T-shirts. I want them to buy records. I want them to have to pay me to have you know to come into a house show and stuff. But like, I want you to I want you to to buy my art because you love it. I don't I don't want to sell you something being like, um, you know here this is the you know this is our continuing program or something where I have my hand in somebody's pocket forever. You know where. Um, you know, the cold Turkey is about getting alcohol out of your life. You will still have bad days after that. You know, mm-hmm. you will still deal with crooked dentists in Brooklyn, you know, and shit like that. Right. And I don't have a cure for that. Nobody does, you know, but, um, I am really grateful to audible that, the, that we were able to make it free for this month because I, I just, I felt like it was, it's just a resource that I sort of wanted to get out there for everybody to have access to if they needed it. And we accidentally dropped it at just the right time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, everybody's sitting at home with nothing to do. Yeah,
1: and a lot of people are really like spinning out either, you know, people losing their sobriety or um, just feeling insane or people who have been threatening to get sober for a long time being like, okay, this is it. I've, you know, I'm bottoming out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, how has the
1: book been doing so far on Audible? It's, it's been doing great. You know, when, um, when I started selling my writing through Amazon, I had friends who had read all the sort of like life hacking stuff and they were like, oh, you need to track your data, you know? And I was like, man, I'm not a, you know, I'm not selling siding, you know, and I need to, um, I need to focus more just on writing the thing and making the thing good and then finishing the thing and then starting the next thing and less on market data and stuff like that but uh but it's been a bestseller you know it's good. it's done great wow. which I'm I'm super proud of and and the response I've gotten from people you know I get messages every single day from people who are who are like yo uh day four i hate your guts uh thanks you know <laughs> Or, um, I've been sober for 17 years in and out of the program and I wish this had been around so much great knowledge here. I'm definitely gonna pass it on to other people or, you know, I, I just picked this up because it was free. I'm not an alcoholic, but I do have issues with food or, you know, other things in my life. And it, this totally spoke to me in, in other ways, you know, so, um, it's been great. I've definitely got a couple of nasty reviews too, which that's part of it,
0: you know? Yeah, of course, probably from from people in the AA community that are, are dead set on that being the only way. Yeah.
1: And that, that makes me feel so sad, man, because I, do those people not understand that we're all on the same team, you know? And I I say again and again in, in cold Turkey and in every interview I've ever done and every article I've ever written that like, I have, so much love and respect for everyone and anyone in AA, NA, any 12-step program, anybody who's taking any steps to make their lives better, to make their lives suck a little bit less. Like, I'm with you, man. I totally – I'm rooting for you, and I'm like you, you know, and – um but there, there is this dogma, and it's so much like religious dogma, you know, of like, oh, you know, no, you wore roller skates, that means you can't get into our heaven, and it's like, what? It just seems so insane. Yeah. Um, and the man, I meant to put this in the book, and then I forgot. There's a great quote about democracy, you know, and it says, um, I. Uh, I love you know I love democracy like nothing else, and the way that I express my love my enduring love for democracy is to interrogate it ruthlessly and and that's how I feel about sobriety and recovery you know um if uh if the Catholic Church uh could defend its behavior with um you know sending priests who have been molesting kids just bouncing them around from place to place um they should be able to defend that behavior or else they need to stop it. But when people jump in to say, Oh, well, no, don't attack the church, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, the, I, um, I always like go hard on bands. I love politicians. I like stuff like that because, you know, we, we expect them to be more than we are, you know, to do more than we're doing, you know? And I, I think that, uh um, that AA needs to evolve. You know, there's so yeah. much accrued yeah. wisdom there. It would be stupid to, you know, I, I don't agree with those people who are like burning down. It's garbage or whatever. I don't agree with that at all. I think there's so much there to love. Um, but I, I do think it needs to evolve.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I'm glad you put this book out just because uh, there are multiple avenues to get to the same place and we don't all have the same path. And uh, yeah, man, um, like I said, I am in the program now, but I really enjoyed your book and uh, I thought there were some great tips in there. And Yeah, I just thought it was fantastic. That
1: that was one of the things that I um, it's interesting because, you know, when I was writing um, Cold Turkey, it was it was very much. I didn't intend for it to be a takedown of AA, but I, I intended it to be something that happened outside of AA. Um uh, and you know, mm-hmm. for the people who didn't want to go to AA or couldn't make it in AA or were struggling with that, you know, but then in the process of that, I ended up doing a lot of research about AA. And, um, I read Leslie Jameson's book, the recovering, which is an incredible book. If you have any interest in addiction or alcoholism or, um, 12 step or any of that stuff. Um, you should absolutely read that book. It's really, it's phenomenal. Um, and reading it, I was like, Oh dang, I should have gone to AA. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, cause I like, uh, burned coffee and I, <laughs> I like sweets and I like chain smokers <laughs> and, you know, like there was so much there of just the, the stories and the connection and, um, you know, belonging to, belonging to something, being part of a tribe, you know, that I was like, oh man, I really, you know, I missed out on some of the the fellowship stuff there that I think I really could have benefited from. And, and also now it's probably too late. You know, I don't think that, um, you know, I I could force myself to go if I lost a bet or something like that, but I don't think that I
0: would, um, I don't think I would get much out of it at this point. For sure. For sure. No, I got you. Well, yeah, man. Um, so I don't want to sound like I'm fanboying out or anything, but uh, I think you first came across my radar the first time you were on the Rich Road right. podcast. And um, yeah, so it, it really kind of struck a chord with me. And I think that was, you know, quite a few years back and I'm pretty sure I was still drinking at the time. And, but it was always kind of in the back of my head. I'm going to give up drinking one of these days, one of these days. And, and then when it was time, I thought, man, who was that one guy with the weird name and the gravelly voice on the Rich Roll podcast? So I went back and I found it and, and started kind of digging into your stuff and, and um, you know, listen to your music and read a bunch of your stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, um, I don't know, man, I, I, I really uh, related to it. Like, I feel like we are both fellow strugglers and we probably have a lot in common. You know, I, I live in Boulder. I know yeah. you've lived in Boulder for a while. We have the alcohol thing, uh, like the struggling artist thing, the ultra runner thing, uh, and the list just kind of goes on and on. So I was really excited. um,
1: It's well, thank you. You know, and I'm glad, you know, I mean, one of the things that I I'm careful to say, you know, to people about this stuff is that, like, um, I'm 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 glad that my story, you know, was a catalyst of some sort, but um, know that you did the work that you, you own your sobriety. It's not my creation. I didn't do it Yeah. And I, you know, I think that, um, we, when we're ready to change, then we find a reason to change, you know, it's, it's not the other way around. It's not that like the reason to change shows up and then we change. I think, I think we have to be, you know, you, you see what you're looking for, you know? Um, But that's, you know, very much, you know, sort of how it happened to me. You know, there were like um, so many people in my life who were like, you know, if you don't stop drinking, I'm going to leave. And I was like, well, I'm really going to miss you. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, there was a a friend of mine who I worked with in New York and he was a couple years older than I, and we worked in this, uh, working in this bar together and he was like, always in a little bit better shape than i was always had a little bit more money than i did like um his you know his girlfriend was cuter than my girlfriend or at least she yelled at him you know less and his life just seemed sort of uh, uh both simpler and easier than mine and i did, like just you know sort of like couldn't figure out what it was and then one day he revealed to me that he didn't drink and i was like Oh, motherfucker! <laughs> you're you're cheating, you know. Um, but yeah. that uh, that didn't make a that didn't make a change for me right then. You know, mostly I I mean honestly, like in that moment, I was like, oh, you're not as cool as I thought you were. Um, I, didn't, I didn't realize you were one of them. Right. Um, but um, but you know, he stayed in my life, and we stayed friends, and just knowing that. Um, knowing that it was possible, you know, it's like, if, if there's a mountain that's no, that nobody has ever climbed, um, you know, or that's no no one who's ever successfully summited it, you're going to be reluctant to try, right? You're like, well, fuck man. That's impossible. Nobody's ever made it. But if one person has made it right, well then it's possible, you know, you still probably won't try, but, but it's, it's erratic to go, to go from impossible to possible. It just takes one success, you know? So I think, um, yeah. you know, our, our brains uh, track that stuff and sort of register it, you know, you hang on to it. That, oh, like that, that one guy made it. The guy with the funny name.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Totally. Well, um, if you don't mind, I'm sure you're probably I'm tired of, of telling your story at this point. I'm sure you've done a bunch of podcasts and promotion for this new book, but if you don't mind, just take us back a little bit and tell us how, um, you know, you started as a musician and uh, how the alcoholism started and um, yeah, where you're from. Yeah. yeah. And, and where I, um,
1: yeah, I always wanted to be a musician. I, um, I remember God being maybe like six or something. And I, and I think my, Parents took us to, you know, we, there was like a dinner thing and my parents always sort of like brought the kids with them everywhere they went. So they brought us kids there. And then this dude in a wheelchair got up with his guitar and like played songs and told, you know, sort of, you know, dirty jokes and stories between the songs. And I and I was just like, fucking A, man, that's that's who I'm going to be. That's what I want to do. You know, I, I, I need that wheelchair, you know. <laughs> And um, the <laughs> kind of love that story because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it was, it was Johnny Cash that turned me on. You know, or like, you know, or oh, I saw Tom Jones or whatever, some big name. But I like that story because it it proves that um, you, you don't have to be famous to you know to uh, to put that seed in a kid's mind. You know that like I could be a, a singer songwriter and then uh, totally ruin that kid's life. <laughs> implanting that <laughs> fucking toxic dream in your head of like uh if yeah, that I
0: guy mean, only knew I, now right if he wasn't in a
1: wheelchair then i would put him in one <laughs> he, <laughs> the oh, um awesome. but yeah so then i was just sort of like you know it was all about you know rock and roll when i was a kid and uh and i was uh an angry and an anxious kid and depressed and, you know, got picked on a lot. And my family moved from, from Canada to New Mexico to New Hampshire. And so I sort of felt like I didn't really fit in anywhere. And, uh, um, and then the first time I got drunk, I was like, this is it. This is the thing. This is what I'm supposed to do with my life. You know, I, I, um, I figured it out Mm -hmm. and I was probably, I don't know, 13 or 14 then. And then you know, there were a couple of things I lived through that, that sort of cemented in my head, you know, that i had chosen the right path that I had to be, um, you know, who I was becoming. Uh, there was a shooting at my school where one of my classmates got an assault rifle and, uh, and shot six people uh, and a student and, and one of our teachers died. And then I had to testify in this fucking murder trial. Uh, my parents got a divorce. We lost the house to the bank. And... um And then that was it. You know, I was just, I was like an angry teenage nihilist and, um, you know, and just fuck everything. And uh, anything would sort of send me screaming for the bottle. And, you know, if I felt good, if I felt bad, if I didn't feel anything, if I felt bored, if I felt stressed. And then I... I feel you know my mother has has always been a huge positive influence in my life, and and she's the kind of person who, you know who will wake up and it's like uh, you know a rainy day and she's like oh perfect day to stay inside I'm like fucking a mom like this you know can, is there nothing that will get you down <laughs> um but so you know with her presence in my life I kept sort of like. I kept trying to give up, trying to, to sort of like just quit life forever. And then she would sort of sway me over to it. And I would like, try again, try to live, try to succeed, try to move, you know, try to move forward. And so I always tried, try to do well in school and um, she encouraged me to be a writer and encouraged me to, you know, to, she got me a subscription to the New Yorker when I was 17. And that was really sort of integral to developing a more, uh, more worldly view about writing. And she encouraged me to move to New York city when I was 21 and you know, all that stuff. And she sort of kept sitting like, no, I, I, I believe in you. I don't give up on, you know, I I haven't given up on you yet. I think you're going to do it. I think you're going to succeed. And um, I did everything I could to prove her wrong, you know? Um, And I was also, I was just way more invested in playing in bands because it's like no matter how well you write, it never gets loud. You know, and there's 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 just a feeling about like yeah. cranking up your amp and like um or like you know, playing with a drummer who hits hard enough that like the back of your jeans rattle every time he hits the kick drum. And uh so I, you know, sort of lost a, a lot of years to uh to rock and roll. Um and then finally when I was thirty-two, I just hit the wall. I was just like I I I I don't have I don't have the strength to take another drink. And there was no, you know, sort of big singular bad thing that happened to, uh, you know, to make me quit drinking. It was, it was just this, this accumulation of the, of little bad things, you know, and I just couldn't, couldn't bear one more morning like that. And, um, so, you know, though I never had a, like, uh, you know, I never like hit bottom or never had this epiphany. I just stopped, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then months into it, I was like, I think this is going to go for a long time. And now I feel like I've um, mm-hmm. accepted that. That's it. You know, I'm done for good. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you didn't really have, a singular rock bottom that, you know, like uh, your ninth DUI or whatever, it was just an accumulation of a lot of just bad shit in your life. I'm guessing that just slowly added up and you were just, as they say, sick and tired. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's sort of how how, um, um, it ended.
1: It's such a, I don't know what's popped into my head, but you know, I, I think I went to see the original mummy movie in the theater with a friend and it's like where you know Dwayne Johnson, the rock, you know, like gets swarmed by the scarab beetles and finally he falls back. You know, it's just like, you know, big guy, million little things, and then finally he's like, fuck it, you know. It was just, you know, it was just too much. But that's one of the things I push back against too in you know, in cold turkey is this pre-programmed narrative that like, oh, you can't quit until you hit rock bottom. And I think a lot of people use that for as you know a justification to to keep drinking
0: for sure yeah so yeah i'm just trying to think like <clears throat> you know um just that series of 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 multiple uh you know bad things happening had you had you tried to quit drinking like a lot of times before if it, it, you finally succeeded or had you done any research or anything it, to, to figure no, out no i mean what what i just went into a blind I,
1: I think you know when i was when i was 17 i think that's when i recognized that I, I really had a problem with alcohol i was i was coming home on the bus and i had like uh an inch of you know whiskey and a plastic jug in the basement there where i lived and i thought and i was just not like hungover but where you feel like mortally wounded by alcohol like poisoned, and even in that mm-hmm. state um thinking about that whiskey i was like oh god i need it you know where wh- i just got um wow. it was like i got turned on thinking about it and um mm-hmm. the uh and i drank happily for 15 more years after that you know, I think in my head, I knew at some point that I would have to stop and stop forever. So every time I took time off drinking, I was careful to not because, you know, I had so many friends who were like, I'm quitting drinking forever. And then like a day later, they were back at it. You know, and I was like, um, I was like, no, I'm, I'm just taking a break. You know, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking a week off or I'm taking a month off or, you know, I even took a year off. But I was I was careful to never say, "That's it, I'm quitting." You know, and then finally I did, you know, and I was just like, and I knew then that that was for you know. I, I think I don't know. It's 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 difficult because in some ways I knew then that I was quitting for good, and in other ways I had no inclination. You know that I, I, I just. It was just something that happened sort of day by day. I kept not drinking and kept not drinking.
0: Um. Yeah, yeah. No, I can totally relate because when I finally quit, you know, I did. I, same thing. I, I didn't say I'm quitting forever. I just thought, well, I'm, I'm going to try it. I'm going to put it down for a while and just see how things go. You know, and then it became... Okay, well, I think it's looking like I might make it a year, so I'll probably quit for a year, you know, but then a year came up and I thought, man, if I if I pick up a bottle now, I'm going to be right back to where I was in four or five days. And so I just knew that, you know, I'm not going to be drinking anytime soon. You know, I think most alcoholics have that that fantasy of maybe someday I'll be able to have a glass of wine with dinner. And I guess maybe that's a possibility, but yeah, you, know, you got to heal yourself. You
1: know, first. the numbers are actually, you know, there's this narrative in AA that you know, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, and like if you go back, you know, alcoholism is a chronic and progressive illness that leads to uh, what uh, jails, institutions, and death. Right? Um, well, sometimes, yeah, sometimes that's absolutely true. Not always. You know there are there are lots of people who have, um, you know, who get totally out of control, and then um, they're able to rope it back and be like, well, okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick to beer from here on out. You know, for me, I don't. So I have two friends. You know, one of whom had whatever nine or ten years sober, and she was actually you know working with you know street level heroin addicts. Um, you know, and working an incredibly stressful job, working with people with, um, you know, harm reduction and basically just keeping them from dying. And um, and then, you know, she had expressed um, sort of contempt for her life or unhappiness. And I was like, you know, I, I feel you, but like, I you know, I don't think drinking is going to help that or make it better, you know, or it might for 15 minutes and then it'll fucking ruin the next day and i recently heard from her and she was like well i i went back to drinking and i was like oh you know i'm jealous you know how how was it how is it and she was like i gotta stop again and i was like yeah no i'm that's why i haven't gone to try and have a glass of wine with dinner right is that you know and then another friend of mine like he he took six weeks off and then he had a couple beers the other night and he was like ah i think i'm just gonna like stick to beer. I'm not going to drink vodka anymore. And um, I'm going to allow myself two nights a week, you know, and he has a real strong will. So he might be able to stick to that. Um, I don't think I could. And I think that for the amount of energy and effort I would have to put into it to try to not drink more than three beers in one sitting or whatever, um, it's just easier to just not drink. Yeah. You yeah, know, definitely. It's just the you, know, you know, it's it's yeah, far far easier than having a couple of drinks is having no drinks ever.
0: I hear you. Yeah, I mean if you were to have three beers with dinner or something like that, then that's just gets in your head. You know, on the next night you're like, okay, another three beers, and then the next night another three beers and it's just yeah, it's it's that constant cycle you go back to. Yeah. Yeah, man so um shortly after you quit drinking i believe is when you discovered running tell us how old that all went down uh
1: so i was um i you know i'd never been a runner you know I, i'd like played soccer and stuff in, in high school but that was you know that had been a million years you know when i was like at 32 you know i'd been i left high school at 15 and you know never
0: graduated um and hadn't dreams of just dreams of being a rock star.
1: Yeah. You know, and I, I had no aspirations of ever like being a runner. You know, my dad had run marathons and I was just like, well, that's one of the things that he did that I won't do. Oh, uh, sure. And, um, but, uh, then I was working at a bar in New York city called beauty bar. And a friend of mine was, uh, you know, sort of covering for the, the, door guy. And then he got sucker punched that night and he got knocked out and fell down and hit his head. We had to call the
0: paramedics
1: and stuff to come and get him out of there and get him checked out. And it, it definitely rattled me, you know, seeing him unconscious like that. And so that night I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to take a cab home. I'm not going to ride my bike. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, the, um, when I woke up the next morning, I was just furious you know, I was, it was like the middle of August and I was like, man, fuck these. It was some Australian guy. And I was like, fuck these tourists fucking coming to our town, like fucking knocking my friend out fucking everything up. You know, I was like, and I walked out onto the street and I was like, I gotta get my bike back. And I was like, I'm not going to fucking wait here for the bus. And I just started running and I ran all the way there, ran the entire time, felt like I was going to die. I really felt, I could like feel things happening inside my body. And I was like, that's, it's not supposed to do that. It's not supposed to move that way. (laughs) That's, you know, that's a, that's not a good sound. That's a warning bell right there. (laughs) And, uh, but I made it there and I was like, holy shit. You know, that was insane. I can't believe I didn't die. And then I, you know, I chugged a couple of bottles of water and grabbed my bike and then rode home. And then I looked it up and it had been four and a half miles. And I was like, wow, I, you know, I, I ran four and a half miles and then I rode my bike home. So I could probably run five miles if I had to. And then I was sort of looking around, I was like, I'm going to sign up for a race. And I was like, looking around and like to do a six mile race. That's well, fuck, if I can do five, you know, if I can do four and a half, out of nowhere, I know I can do six. Like I gotta do something as a challenge, so I signed up for a half marathon.
0: Yes, and you know,
1: <laughs> way too long, and you know, yeah. not enough time to train for it. I think I had like six weeks or something, uh, and but then I just, you know, and I had no idea what I was doing, and I just sort of like ran as much as I could, and then I went out and I think I did like one forty-five for the half marathon. And I was I was like flying at the end. And I was like, I I can do this, you know? And mm-hmm. so then I, I took a little time off in the winter, but then I like, you know, doubled back down and really got into it. And then the next spring I ran my first ultra marathon and, and sort of just, you know, kept going from there. Um, my relationship with running is different now. You know, I'm 43 and the, I don't, you know, I know people who are still like, just cranking out, you know, huge, incredible mileage and these sort of heroic feats. And, like, uh, my friend David Clark, who lives in Lafayette in Colorado, um, he just went in for surgery on a herniated disc. And that was Friday. He still hasn't come out, you know, and um, it's, you know, there's complications but also, you know, when they were looking at him and looking at his body, they were like, this is a tremendous amount of muscle damage here. And mm. I love Davey as he the heart of a, you know, a fucking a lion. But I think we need to apply common sense to this, too, you know, that sure. there have definitely been times where I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to finish this race no matter what. And yeah, I finished the race and then was in physical therapy for six weeks, you know, All uh, right. Right. And I'm not I'm not one of those people who needs to go out and push my body to the extreme. What I need to do is I need to run enough each day so that I don't freak out at people. you know i I just need yeah. to use it as my antidepressant I need to use it to keep my keep my heart healthy and my head healthy and my lungs healthy and and it's and it's a huge blessing just for that. You don't need to run a marathon or an ultra marathon or anything any specific distance in order for, in order for running to be, to be transformative in your life. Yeah. A hundred percent. What, what are you running these days?
0: Well, I've done um, a bunch of ultras in the past. Um, Now all races are pretty much canceled or postponed for this year, as you probably know. So um, I'm just pretty much running for fun. Um, me and a couple friends started a business uh, at the end of last year called Big Things Crewing, where our idea behind it was if someone were to get into a race, say, like Leadville 100, and they're from out of state, and they don't know anybody in the state to crew or pace them, they could call us, and we would come out and, and crew and pace them and, and get them into the finish. And uh, you know Now all these races have been canceled, so our business is sort of on hold, which is kind of why I started a podcast just to, just to keep things afloat. And, um, so, um, yeah, so that's, you know, the name of this podcast is do big things and we're always in support of people going out and doing big things, but that also means, you know, doing the little things in in order to do big things like, um, you know, if, if it means, uh, calling someone you haven't talked to in a long time, that could be a big thing. And so, that's what we're in support of. So, but me personally, as far as running these days, it's pretty much just uh, out my door up into the Boulder Peaks just, just for fun. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's weird. I mean, we're in this sort of global like wait and see, you know, holding period um, to see. For me, it's not if, for me, it's when this second wave is coming and how bad it's going to be. And, yeah. Um, and it's not when things get back to normal, it's what the new normal is going to look like. Um, uh, you know, I mean, as far as you know, the sort of lockdown, I'm in a pretty privileged position where I have a couple buddies who live on the same street as me. Um, my mom lives on the same street, I don't have a regular nine to five job. Um, the
0: so. You're not touring though. No,
1: I'm. I'm not touring, and I. Yeah, I am out a shitload of money from not touring, and you know, teaching writing at Yale this summer got canceled, and I'm out a shitload of money from that too. But when, uh, when people are losing their lives, I feel like it's rude to complain too much about, um, you know, the money that I've lost. Um, I do. Uh. I've, I, you know, I have had a lot of anxiety during this time, but I've also, I've enjoyed some of it, you know? And, you know, one of the things, you know, you just said, you know, of the like, do big things, you know, for me, a bi- one of those big things that I need to do is to do a little thing with consistency, you know, to, to run three miles a day, six days a week, or, you know, to make sure I get half an hour of exercise every single day, or, you know, one of them is... I have this little special needs cat that I adopted. And so I try to take 10 minutes every day to just sit with her while I'm not watching TV, not looking at my phone, not talking to somebody else and just spend um, one-on-one time with her where it's just the two of us. She has 100% of my attention, you know, and doing that has been so good for me you know, cause she's, she's a cat. She doesn't understand what, like, um, I'm like, Oh, I don't feel like it. Or, um, Oh, there, you know, I have a new app on my phone. You know, she's just like, no, love me. You know? Yeah. Love so it's, cat. it's really good to, uh, for to have a relationship with a being I care about where, uh, it has to be on her terms, you know? Um, sure. and, uh, you know when she wanted to wake me up last night like it sucked but it was also it was incredibly cute you know and i i treasure that and uh you know i'll sleep late tomorrow <laughs> and uh, but i you know i'll totally remember how how cute she was being last night you know
0: oh yeah yeah man yeah so I- i'm curious um so when you made the shift from you know booze into running Um, were you obsessed with that for a while? I mean, I've, I've heard people throw around, you know, the term, uh, transfer of addictions and, you know, I've always felt that, you know, if you're doing something positive for yourself, um, then more power to you. I mean, for instance, when I quit drinking, this wasn't planned, but I I do some abstract painting and in that first year I ended up painting 300 paintings. And now well, my relationship with painting is just you know maybe i'll I'll crank out a few paintings a year and and I'm not so obsessed with it, but that helped me mentally at that time and place. Is that kind of how running was for you well let me
1: there's a, so there's a bunch of things i gotta respond to there. This thing about transference of addictions that doesn't actually exist that's mm-hmm. not like a term in the d s m four the d s m five it's not um It's not a psychological or a psychiatric term. That's the kind of term that people like Dr. Phil use, right? He's not a fucking real doctor. He's a charlatan. He's a snake oil salesman. He's a a TV personality. Dr. Oz openly gives um, you know, gives advice and sells products that number one, go against accredited medical studies. And number two, the shit that lines his own pockets, you know, so that, those are the kind of people who I'm trying to set myself up in direct opposition to, um, I, I hate mm-hmm. that shit, you know, and, um, you know, this, uh, I, this transference of addiction thing, it drives me nuts, you know, so, so, so you're an alcoholic. So you've been destroying your life with alcohol, and now you're you're painting three hundred paintings a year, which is fucking incredible. And I'm gonna find a way to criticize you for that. Get the fuck out. Right. It's it's such fucking yeah. bullshit. And you know when people when people I, I wish. As recovering addicts and alcoholics that we had a little more, um, uh, we had a little more Bar, we had a little more belief in ourselves so that when people come at us with that, um, we can be like go fuck yourself danny you work at a fucking dunkin donuts don't talk to me about transference of addiction because that's something you heard on fucking tv and you have no idea what you're talking about i changed my life for the better i changed my life from being an alcoholic that you couldn't depend on who couldn't do anything to a committed painter who is focusing a ton of yes a ton of energy some negative and some positive into creating things. I'm make, I'm literally making art out of my addiction, my negativity, the thing that almost killed me. You got a problem with that? Lose my fucking number. You know, it's, I, it makes me so angry that people would, will find a, a, use that as a means to, um, to, to criticize, you know, people who are, you know, newly in recovery. If I knew you then, and you were doing that, I would be like, bro, I got you some more paint. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: you know oh, that awesome, that shit man. just drives me oh it makes me so crazy
0: i hear you yeah me too i mean you know people will find out that you run and they're like oh Ugh. you get that runner's high right and it's like well that's yeah. not why i'm running you're like i think you're kind of yeah i, I point, mean I, you know? I,
1: like i still get that from people all the time well there's also there's
0: this thing in the war
1: in america today where we just have our priorities all fucked up, you know, like in a, in a normal, healthy, happy human existence, there's sex, right? If, if, you know, if you're a man, a woman, if you're anything in between man on man, woman on woman, group sex, that's all normal, healthy human behavior. In the life of a normal, happy, healthy human, there would be Zero violence, right? But violence on TV, that's cool. That's fine. Sex, God forbid. Right? Then there's this other thing of um, people People will always come up to me and be like, oh, you skinny bitch, blah, blah, blah. If I were to turn around and be like, oh, you fat fuck, no, I, I would never... <laughs> so it's like we can, we live in a country where for some reason it's socially acceptable to criticize people for eating right and exercising and taking care of their physical and mental health. But God forbid you fat shame someone. You know, God forbid you point out to somebody right, yeah. that they eat like garbage, that they just play video games all day, that they drink too much, that they smoke, you know. And to me, it's against this backdrop of coronavirus where. Oh, you know what? It turns out that um, if you get coronavirus, if you have a pre-existing condition like diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, morbid obesity, it'll take you out. And people are like, oh man, I wish we'd have known. <laughs> Motherfuckers. You know, I mean, that's right. That's what you know, people have been talking <laughs> about for years and years. Um, so you know, I think. You know, i don't just want to say the us i mean i think it's all western culture that we you know we just, we have um we have we have everything backwards man
0: for sure yeah <sighs> listen i know you're a big fan of uh of literature and a writer yourself um I'm I'm curious to what a few of your favorite authors are. No, I, um,
1: I'm, I'm always happy to go into that stuff. The, uh, Leslie Jameson, I think is a writer who everybody should read. She's, she's a phenomenal writer, a phenomenal editor. Um, she wrote, uh, the empathy exams and the recovering. She also, she edited, I think it's 2017's, uh, best American essays. And that, um, that volume is just, it's incredibly well curated. And, uh, all the work in there is sort of like off the charts good. Um, I, you know, I still love reading a lot of the sort of like punk rock histories and stuff. Um, The I'm deeply immersed in recovery, but I would still much rather um, read about a heroin addict bottoming out than somebody going on a good run. (laughs) I think that's human nature. We're attracted Absolutely. to darkness. <laughs> um, I recently edited uh, Mark Lanigan's memoir. Uh he was the singer for The Screaming Trees, which is that's one of the things that people know him for. What people don't know is that in the last you know 15 or 20 years, he's put out some just incredible uh solo records. And uh, his memoir is fucking phenomenal. It's um, you know, I mean the it, you know, I mean, it's not a contest, but it makes my my battle with addiction look like a couple of frat boys bumping chests until the the bouncer showed up. You know, <laughs> this guy, crack, methamphetamine, <laughs> heroin, you know, and, you know, and he said, too, that he's grateful to heroin for saving him from alcoholism because he was such a bad drunk.
0: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's heavy. <laughs> uh how about uh some some classic literature i mean when i read your book i swear i'll make it up to you i just feel like you couldn't have written that book if you hadn't have dove into the yeah i mean
1: i i read um you know i read you know I, I got my masters degree in writing so i i read you know sort of everything um i tried to read the canon you know i read um zora neale hurston and faulkner and um I was a huge uh, fan of Chekhov. Lucia Berlin at University of Colorado was a, a, a huge mentor of mine. I'll always be grateful to her. Um, the uh, John Fante, you know, obviously Charles Bukowski was a big influence on me in, in good ways and bad ways. Uh, the uh, um, uh, James Crumley, is a, uh, he's a, a crime writer. I love his stuff. Um, David Gates. He's just a phenomenal writer. Uh, he wrote Jernigan, which is one of my favorite novels of all time. I mean, I think writing in 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 general is good. Um, one of the things that I always have to push my students on is um, who are the writers you're reading now who have to have, like, choose a work that's been published in the last 10 years, and they have to be writers who are writing today, you know, because every... Um, every 19 year old white boy with a fedora and uh you know a nascent drinking problem wants to talk about hemingway hemingway's been dead for a long fucking time you know and that doesn't make his writing any less sure. important yeah. but if you want to be a writer now you need to read the books that are coming out now you need to read the books that people are reading now um yeah. the which is not to turn a blind eye to the literature of the past obviously but literature evolves and um You know, people are writing now in ways that would be sort of impossible to comprehend uh, 50 years ago.
0: For sure. Yeah. I mean, you think of Hemingway and his style has just been replicated over and over and over again. So that now when you go back and read it, it just doesn't really have the fire that it probably had when it came out. And same thing with, you know... There was writers that were pushing the boundaries way back, like, you know, E.E. E. Cummings and uh, Hubert Selby Jr. And, um, you know, without them, uh, some of the writers today wouldn't be where they are. But um, I agree with you. Yeah, you know, you the um, stuff as well. Hemingway was a fantastic writer.
1: And, you know, I mean, every time I, you know, happen to pick something of his up again, I, I do enjoy it. But I, I think it, it's, you know, for like a lot of kids, they're like, you um, they're sort of nonplussed by like Jimi Hendrix, but it's, it's not because he wasn't influential. It's because he was so influential that now kids are like, Oh, he, isn't he sort of like a Lenny Kravitz type? And I'm like, no, no. (laughs) You know, it's like the reason (laughs) that kids today, kids today, God, listen to me. The reason, the reason that people younger than me, um, (laughs) you know, often can't understand why Hendrix was so important is because he was so important, you know, and because he changed everything. For sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. that's a good way to put it. Um, Going back to the sobriety thing um, for you personally, what was the hardest part?
1: Well, This is one of the things that I talk about, you know, in the book is that getting sober, not necessarily that hard, right? All you have to do is like, fucking get the flu so bad you can't get out of bed and then six days later you're like oh i'm sober you know or you gotta fucking get locked up or just run out or something's gotta happen and then oh wow i'm sober the hard thing is not going right back Um, and you know a a difficult thing for me i i've always had a hard time controlling my emotions um i still do now you know, the slightest thing can like set me off or like piss me off. Um, And, but in early sobriety, it was really pronounced. And I just sort of had to force myself to, you know, when I got angry to just sort of like sit in that anger um, and just be like, okay, I'm going to fucking just, I'm going to feel everything, feel every part of it, just get as angry as I could. And it would like, it would, I would get so mad. I would feel my body was being poisoned. Like my skin would hurt you know, and then just sit there and just feel it. And just like, and then you're like, okay, now I'm going to stay. I'm just going to sit here in my anger and stay as angry as I possibly can for as long as I can. And that just makes you feel like you're going insane. And then it goes away because the biggest part of emotion is motion. It's, it's a temporary affliction. Anger is momentary, you know, is momentary. Sadness is momentary. Happiness is momentary. Everything is transitory. It's just passing through you. So to try and freeze an emotion like that, to try and hold it in your body is often that's the fastest way to get rid of it.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, man. Just feel it. Just feel it it as much as you
1: can, you know, and, um, the, got into boxing and getting a heavy bag and, um, you know, once a week, I'll scoop up all those things in my head that have pissed me off and been like, all right, let's really explore how you feel about that guy who cut you off you know? and go into it and process that emotion. <laughs> feel it. Don't we live, you know, again, we live in a culture where I feel like um, the the price of admission for existing in sort of polite American culture is you're never allowed to get, to get angry anymore. You know, that like, it's this sort of West Coast, you know, you know, be Zen and, you know, let it go and like um, just, you know, exhale into the crystal in your hot yoga class. But, but life sucks. Life is full of injustice. Right. Um, you know, the the most amount of money and the most amount of power goes to the fucking worst people in the world. And if you stub your toe, it still hurts like a motherfucker. That's not fair. And I'm, I, I, you know, I sure. can't just let that go. And if I try to let it go, what I'm doing is burying it. And instead, what I do is I put my gloves on, go and hit yeah. the bag, and then I get it all. I'm, I'm not a painter; I can't make paintings out of my negativity. But I can, I can hit that heavy bag and get it so that it's horizontal, and then keep it there for about four minutes. You know, that's, that's powerful medicine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, no, I agree a hundred percent. And I think that's, that's part of what makes you so relatable is, you know, you're not coming across saying, you know, life is perfect now that I quit drinking. You're, you're coming across saying, you know, I still have day-to-day problems just like everybody else. I'm just yeah. dealing yeah. with them in, in more of a healthy way. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so if you could uh, if you could talk to your eighteen year old self,
1: am I am okay. I limited to just talking, or am I allowed to lay hands on him too?
0: Yeah, oh, you can my nephew hands is eighteen. Him. I want to visit this. soon. He's like <laughs>
1: such a, a good, like nice boy, and um, I'm like, man i I don't even know you. I don't know how to interact with you. Um, Definitely. I you know I would say. <laughs> Lighten the fuck up, man. You know the. <clears throat> try to have some perspective and see that um, I know you. I know that you're suffering, and your suffering is real. But try to see that you're not the only one suffering, and that the things that you're going through are things that other people have come, have been through before you. And rather than, you know, scoop the pain that you have up in your life, in you know, into your chest and clutch it there like a newborn child. Th- no you need to like just set it down at a bus stop and then forget to pick it back up you know like let, just let that shit go um um you know go easier on yourself and go easier yeah. on other people too
0: No, yeah. do you have any sort of daily practices or anything that you do to keep your ment- mental health in check now i mean i know you run a few miles a day you try and Sounds like you try and break a sweat every day, which I think, you know, there's, I don't have sort of a formal practice. I think I would
1: probably be healthier if I did, but you know, I mean, one of the things is, you know, spending, uh, sustained one-on-one time with my cat, just she and I communicating with each other, you know, uh, putting love on her and accepting love back from her. Um, the exercise, absolutely. Um, finishing a job, if, if it's if it's doing the dishes or if it's something if it's finishing a record it doesn't matter what but just to finish a thing because that's a powerful high um and uh have fun like do something that you enjoy you know and and not fucking watching tv or jerking off or you know something at, passive like that but but like go you know to play guitar or you know, do something that, that makes you happy. And that makes you laugh. Um, when, you know, I've been an open proponent for, you know, mushrooms and LSD and psychedelics as powerful anti-addiction medicines, not, you know, not, not drugs like heroin and methamphetamine and cocaine. And people are always like, Oh, so you're taking them in a controlled environment with a shaman?" not fuck. No, man, I'm 43. I don't, I don't need fucking, uh, you know, I don't need my water wings. I don't need my, my training wheels. I know, I know how to eat mushrooms by this point. It's, it's okay to just eat mushrooms and laugh at dick and fart jokes with your friends because fun needs to be an integral program of everyone's life. Regardless if you're drunk, sober, struggling to stay sober, if you don't have any problems with addiction, you gotta have fun, man. And, um, so I try to have, I have try to have fun every day too. awesome
0: yeah you know the founder of aa uh, bill w he at one time he was thinking of yep. integrating um lsd into his program uh he'd been sober for a number of years and experimented with lsd and thought that it would be largely beneficial but you know difficult to bring into the program so well and also bill w was on belladonna right? when he
1: had his epiphany when he saw jesus so it's <laughs> Maybe it wasn't Jesus. He saw at all, <laughs> you know, uh, um, but I've definitely had, you know, um, I've That's had right. anecdotal experiences like that, where, um, you know, I'm on mushrooms or DMT or acid or something like that. And I'm like, I'm not going to fucking drink anymore. Or I'm not going to smoke anymore. Or I'm not going to call that girl or I'm not going to be in that band or I'm, I'm you know, I'm not going to do any of these things because they're, they're not contributing to my life, you know, and I've just had the, that epiphany um, and, um you know, and then wake up the next day and like clean my whole room and like throw shit away, you know, um, the, uh, but it's funny because, you know, for a lot of the sort of like really dogmatic AA feet, faithful people, um, you know, the word of Bill W is God until he starts talking about LSD and then like, Oh no, 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 well not that, not that part. I'm like, yeah, no, you're, see, you're picking and choosing and it's, you
0: know, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always thought it was kind of funny that that was kind of, you know, left out of the program and something that that no one really talks about. And you know, I brought that up to a couple members of, of AA and just kind of asked what their opinion is. And you know, nobody really has any answers or any great yeah, epiphanies. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's definitely a point of interest. Well, listen, I really appreciate the time that you've spent uh, t- chatting with me. Um, I just have oh, you know last what inspires me? You. What inspires
1: you is today? not. The it's not the people who are like, um you know, making new marathon records and, um, you know, holding their breath underwater for the new record and all that shit. It's like, you know, the guy who's like half running and half jogging or half jogging and half walking in the park and he's 285 but down from 310 to see somebody who's morbidly obese in the gym, mm-hmm. it's hard to walk into the gym when you're fit and when you feel good about your body because it's the gym and for, for you to be morbidly obese and to yeah. be like, no, I'm fucking going to the gym, man. Just know that like, I see you and you're who keeps me honest. You know, and when I'm having a hard time going, I'm like, Oh man, I saw, I saw that woman there last night on the treadmill and and she looked like she was, she looked like she was dying, but she was there and she was fucking getting it done. So like, I can't, if she's not making excuses. I can't make excuses, you know, and I got to go for her. Um, you know, so those, those are the people who inspire me, people who are still sort of yeah. very deep in the battle, but who are fighting.
0: Yeah. I hear you, man. I mean, do you Not feel really. like you're still, you know, in the I battle, mean the,
1: 11 years in your sobriety. There have been times on tour where like I'll pick up the wrong glass or something, get a mouthful of fucking vodka uh, and and I spit it out. I don't swallow it, you know, or mm. just been on the road for a long time and like feeling like shit and like, oh, man, you know, I know that if I had a drink, I would feel a little bit better. Um, but uh but I, I know what what lies down that road you know, and it's not, I'm not white knuckling it. And it's not like an eternal battle of like, I don't wake up. Like, will I drink today? I'm like, i wake up and I'm like, Oh, can I fucking get some of the shit crossed off my job list today? Like, I'm just, I'm just in my life now, you know? Um, And you know, and that's good and bad, you know, but what, what I, when I quit drinking, what I wanted was not to go from the cult of alcohol to the cult of no alcohol. I just wanted to have a life, that existed independent of alcohol. And I kind of have that
0: right on. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it right there, man. Awesome, brother. Well, listen, I really appreciate your time. And um, I, I loved your uh, latest book on Audible. I think it's free Thursday. until June 4th. Um, it's free till when did you say sometime in June? Awesome cool, man. Well, I'll I'm uh, in, uh, in at Mishka Shabali on Twitter. Find I'm you at you Mishka
1: Shabali on Instagram. I'm I'm the only Mishka Shabali out there. So just Google my name. You'll find my, my stuff for sale on Amazon, Audible. <laughs> I have a, a store through my own website. I'm on iTunes, Spotify,
0: YouTube, all that shit. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, Listen, when, when I, um, like I said, when I put the bottle down, uh, well, let me, let me rephrase that. I didn't put the bottle down when I first came across you, when you first came across my radar, when I first heard you on the Rich Roll podcast, but when it was time for me to, I went back and kind of, you know, dug into your stuff. So you never know how you're going to influence people. Um, it, you know, they might not read your book and stop drinking right away, but maybe it'll stick in their head and two, four, 10 years down the road, they'll go, Oh man, that one guy, he had some great ideas and they, they go back to it. So yeah, man, I just want to encourage you in any way, just keep doing what you're doing. You're influencing a lot of people. That's awesome, man. Thanks people a lot. Watching, man. And, uh, yeah, you're an inspiration, man. Take care. Uh, yeah. What did you guys think? Mishka Shubali. Find him online. Support him any way you can. His latest book is on Audible called Cold Turkey and free until June 4th. So check it out. Give it a download. Give it a listen. Let him know what you think. Sorry about the sound quality. These quarantine phone calls are a little bit rough, and the podcast always sounds a little bit sketchy, like I don't really know how to have a conversation. Uh, There's always a little overlap in the voices, so I apologize for that, but thanks for listening anyhow. Um, While recording this podcast, um, news kind of broke that um, we lost one of our own today. Mishka even mentioned his name in the podcast, his name is David Clark, and don't know the details or what exactly happened, Um, but it sounds like he has left this incarnation to go run that big ultra marathon in the sky. David Clark was a, a writer himself, he had penned a couple books, he has a new one coming out, and he has done a bunch of ultra marathons. And, uh, he's been around the scene for quite a while. So, uh, yeah, with heavy heart, um, our, our thoughts and prayers are going out to his family right now. Uh, support this podcast any way you guys can give me a review, share it with anyone you think would like to to check it out and hope you guys have a great week. Stay safe. Life is short do big things, baby.